Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. In this episode of the Michigan Minds Podcast, State of Michigan Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist II, a University of Michigan alumnus, and former executive director of the University of Michigan Center for Social Media Responsibility, speaks about his path to public service and the importance of Black History Month with Nikki Sundstrom, U of M Director of Social Media and Public Engagement. Lieutenant Governor Gilcross, it is such a pleasure to have the opportunity to connect with you once again. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Nikki, it's my pleasure. It is so good to see you. It is always good to be able to uh, reconnect with my family at University of Michigan, Go Blue all day, every day. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. I'd love to actually begin the conversation today by exploring your personal and professional journey. In particular, were there any defining moments in your youth, your time here at U of M as a student, or in your career where you felt that being a person of color uniquely shaped your experience? There are several. I'll, I'll, um, I'll try to use one from each one of those buckets. So, you know, I, I was born in Detroit, and then my family moved to Farmington, which is a suburb, northwest suburb of Detroit, when I was eight and a half. And I, I went from being in a class that had two white kids in it in second grade to being the only black kid in my school in third grade. And so that was a, you know, that was a big shift. I think where it really came to a head for me was an incident when I was nine and we were in my neighborhood and I was playing football with a bunch of other kids in the neighborhood. There was like a <clears throat> the subdivision, had like some, like a grassy area in the middle. So we would get together and play games there. And so I'm playing football with them. And I don't know why I still don't I'll probably never know why. But for some reason, the police show up at this neighborhood football game and this police officer gets out and goes directly to me. I'm the only black kid here in this game. I'm also the biggest kid in this game. So he goes directly to me and he's like asking me these questions about, you know, what I'm doing and what my name is. And, and the guy says to me, I, I want to make sure that I take down your information because I'm going to see you again. And that like really, I'm like, I, and, and I was at, at nine, I was very conscious of why he said that to me. Right. And so I went home, I was really upset about it and talked to my parents about it. And that was really my first, first meaningful interaction with law enforcement um, and being singled out because I was black in that context was something that that really, really stuck with me. I mean, I, mean, I remember the first time I got pulled over when I was uh, driving to high school, Farmington High School, it was like literally a block away from school in the morning and got pulled over for doing 24 and 25. And the guy was like asking where I was going and stuff. And it's like, I have a book bag on my seat. Like I'm clearly going to the high school that's like right there. Uh, so those are things in my childhood where it became really starkly clear um, that being black uh, was an additional thing I had to carry and that people would deal with me differently because of it. I was, I was at Michigan. I was on campus from 2000 through 2005. Mm -hmm. And so I was there through the, the, the beginning, middle and end of the, um, all of the, the argument, the legal cases, the Supreme Court challenge of the university's use of race and affirmative action and its admissions policies. Um, and I, I, you know, when I was on campus, I, I ran an organization for black men on campus called Heads that's still active. And 
so I, I got a chance to help be part of the student response and student participation in the conversation about that and about those policies, including like helping like organize buses in 2004 to go to DC for the university's day in court for the two Bollinger cases. And that, that ended up being a split decision for the, for the, the policy of the undergrad being shut down and the law school policy being affirmed by the court. Um, but it forced a lot of, I think, important and challenging conversations on campus about what it meant for the university for there to be actually like people of color represented and empowered on campus. You know, what was that as far as being a compelling state interest for the state of Michigan, for that to be true on a campus like Michigan? Um, what types of investments are being made in the experiences of, of students of color at Michigan? Um, so all these kind of conversations I got a chance to be a part of as a student. Um, and that stuck with me in terms of, I think really empowering and emboldening me and giving me experiences of being able to talk about these issues with a with a fluency and a comfort that I hope can lead to, to change even in a position like I'm in today. And so, and I and then I think in my career, I, I've just had the unfortunate experience of of in many contexts still in the 2000s being the only black person in a room, the only black person on a board, the only black person in a meeting, um, the only black person on a project. And so feeling good to carry this additional burden of representation and all the assumptions that would be made about you and your people if you fail. Um, that's something that I think about a lot, and even in, in, in the position I'm in as the first black, you know, lieutenant governor in the history of the state. Our next question is about advocacy and the work that you've done for equality and, and justice and even harnessing technology to solve problems early in your career in the city of Detroit. I love hearing that you started that advocacy even here in Ann Arbor, which I think a lot of people will also really enjoy. Of course, you mentioned that you are the first Black man to be elected lieutenant governor in the state of Michigan. Can you convey the emotion or the sense of purpose that all of those different touch points have really given you and, and that you felt as you've reached these milestones? I, I do think that there's a responsibility to, to move my experience from novelty to normalcy. Mm -hmm. So being first is cool, <laughs> like that's great. <laughs> but ultimately I do think it comes with a responsibility to enable others to see themselves in the roles that I'm playing or the positions that I hold and to make it more possible for people who are like me or people who are not like me, but who have been historically left out to see a path in that is viable and that is accessible and that's real and empowered. And I think that is part of my responsibility. So part of the way that I um, hope to carry myself in, in this position as I've held it for these last few years and hopefully going forward is in a way that lets people know that this type of role belongs to all of the people of Michigan and is available to all the people of Michigan. And it should be And that if, if this is something that you choose to want to pursue or to support, that this is not there, there will not be a door slammed in your face because of who you are, because of where you're from, because of what you look like or how you sound or who you love. And so I, I, I'm very mindful of that responsibility. And it's part of why I try to be very transparent with my experiences in terms of bringing my whole self and the entirety of my life experience to my service, but then also showing people just like what it's like to be in this job. I do a lot of, you know, <laughs> videos and stuff. Hey, this is what I'm doing today. This is what I'm going. This is what I'm thinking. Um, I try to post a lot of pictures about the different things that I'm doing and experiencing and learning because I want people to understand that I, I think it matters who is in this position serving alongside the governor of Michigan. And I think it matters 
um, that that person be reflective of the entirety of the commission experience to the extent that they can. And that, I believe, will help make accessible or will help open the imaginations of people in Michigan to recognize that you know, this is the type of role they can play too. And so I want to talk a little bit about your current role um, in your capacity as Lieutenant Governor representing the citizens of the state of Michigan. Um, what that you've accomplished or had your hand in over the course of the last couple of years are you most proud of thus far? I'll give you a few um, because I am proud of the, of the work that that um, I've been able to do alongside Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And, and this has been, um, you know, quite a time to be in a position of responsibility. You know, my, my father, so so we're coming up on the on the two year, excuse me, the three anniversary, two year anniversary, all the years run together in this pandemic, but um, an anniversary of when we got our first COVID cases in Michigan. And very, very, a few days after that, my dad said something to me that, that sticks with me. And he said that, you know, some leaders never get tested. And the test is what enables you to demonstrate your ability to lead. And so, you know, just like in school, like, you know, you know how you did because you got, you got a test or a quiz. And so he said, you know, it's time for you to step up and what are you going to do to make this, this different? And so I, I think about that challenge a lot. And so when I think about what I'm proud of um, in, in my service thus far, I'm proud of, um, I've been able to take on issues that I didn't have experience with previously and learn and able to make, and then make a difference for people. One good example of that is I've been our administration's lead on uh, reforming our criminal legal system. I'm not a lawyer, I'm an engineer, but uh, this is a system that, that hurts a lot of families um, in every part of the state of Michigan. Um, and I was proud to chair a co-chair a task force on jail and pre-child incarceration with the chief substance of the Supreme Court in Michigan, uh, Bridget McCormack. And we went all over the state, talked to people from every corner of Michigan um, and learned how the, the jail system was not serving people from the, in the interest of public safety or preparing people for success. Um, we did an unprecedented data analysis of the system to find out who was in jail and why and for how long with an eye toward reducing jail emissions and again, positioning people to, to be successful if they ever came into contact with the criminal justice system. And we put in place some nation leading reforms in that regard. We changed the way that like, you know, we found out that like, for example, 50% of people in Michigan were in jail because they had a fine related to a suspended driver's license. Hmm. Um, and that driver's license was likely taken for a reason that had nothing to do with how they worst drivers. And so we changed those sentencing guidelines to not be able to take people's driver's licenses away because if you don't have a driver's license, it's kind of hard to drive and go to work and earn money to pay a fine. Um, principled stances like that. We also did things like enable people to, to get tickets rather than get arrested and have to go to jail because even spending a night in jail is completely disruptive to people, your family life, and let alone your ability to hold or maintain work. And the thing I'm most proud of in that realm is, and this gets to my um, experience as an engineer and a software engineer that we in Michigan, um, I did a tour in 2019 called Thriving Cities that went to 19 different cities in Michigan. And we um, talked to people about how we can improve quality of life for people who live in cities. And in all 19 cities, 19 out of 19, people said that if people had a way to uh, clear their criminal records, hmm. it would enable more people to participate in the economy. And so I took that to heart and um, worked on that policy for a year after that. And now the state of Michigan has the most progressive and expansive automatic criminal record expungement system for eligible offenses in the country. Um, and that's a system problem that required, you know, connecting systems together that were supposed mm -hmm. to be connected and data stuff. And, but like Michigan has done that and we're implementing that right now. And that's made us a leader in the space. I'm really proud of that. I think the second thing um, I, I would mention is in the context of the pandemic, the state of Michigan, uh, and this is a thank, thanks to Governor Whitmer's leadership, our, our 
our then chief medical executive, Dr. Jonay Khaldun, and myself really worked together and made a choice that the state of Michigan would truly and deeply invest in flattening the racial disparities that were evident in the beginning of this pandemic when it came to the people who were contracting and dying of COVID-19. In the first two months of the pandemic in March and April of 2020, 41% of the people who died from COVID-19 in Michigan were Black, um, whereas we make up less than 14% of the population. So that all representation, we had to figure out what was happening there. And so I chaired a task force, the coronavirus, the coronavirus task force on racial disparities. We had 26 of the most amazing people I've ever met in the state of Michigan come together from every corner of the state, representing every, um, every different context. We had people from labor, from our tribal nations, from rural communities, from faith leaders, labor, educators at every level, young people, parents, and Michigan was a leader in the country. We actually flattened that racial disparity um, in a way that is held even in the midst of the, the different surges with Delta and Omicron, um, because what we did in terms of getting information to the community, providing people with masks, um, setting up neighborhood infrastructure for testing and vaccination, and really set some national models. We invented mobile testing, like vans to go test people, vans to go get people vaccines that was invented in Detroit um, as a task force initiative. And so, I'm proud of that because it actually saved people's lives. And that's someone who in real time was losing people every week. I lost 27 people to COVID-19 during this pandemic in my life. And um, it was urgent for me. It was urgent for Michigan. And we, we, we set, a, we set a, a benchmark that the rest of the nation is working to catch up to. The federal government, the Biden-Harris administration has modeled their own COVID equity efforts off of what we did in Michigan. And I, I'm proud of that leadership. And we have another report coming out very soon that's going to document um, the second year of effort. Uh, from that task force. And then the last thing, which is something that truly animates my public service, the first the first research project I did as mm -hmm. a student in Michigan, I was a freshman, it was my Europe project. I was working with um, Professor Larry Gant, who's in school uh, uh, sociology. And uh, he had, I don't know how he did this, honestly, but like he, he got somebody to like put an antenna on top of the Fisher building in, in Detroit and like the directionally beam internet access to a neighborhood that was not being served by incumbent internet service providers. And my job was to go door to door in this neighborhood, kind of like a four block radius and talk to people about if they had the internet, how would they use it? Who would use it in their home? How much would you pay for it? What do you think the benefits of that would be? And I'm proud to, that was in 2001. And so I'm proud now in this position, uh, you know, 20 years later in 2021 to have set up the Michigan High-Speed Internet Office here at the state level to organize state resources to be able to respond to the biggest opportunity to expand access to the internet since the internet was invented, which is before us right now. And so we're going to mobilize more than $100 million to connect the almost 400,000 people in Michigan who don't yet have internet access to the internet today. We're going to build it out. We're going to make the internet more affordable to more people in urban, suburban, exurban, and rural communities. And we're going to raise the floor of digital literacy in Michigan so that everyone can fully take advantage of this access, of this, of this asset that they will have access to and be able to afford for the trajectory of Michigan. It's the, it's the most transformative infrastructure we can invest in. And I'm proud to be leading that effort. Like I remember showing a little girl the internet for the first time. Like I remember that. And it was April, it was on the west side of Detroit. These computers that I had, I worked for this little company and I built these computers and I put them in this rec center and was teaching a class on how to use them. And this little girl, and I showed her and like, we were sitting down, it's 98, right? So it's like Alta Vista as a search engine. And um, we type in Tiger and Alta Vista and she, so, so what comes up? So the first thing that comes up is the Detroit Tigers, which is great for Detroit. Let's go Tigers, right? 
And the second thing that comes up is a picture of a tiger. And uh, she asked me, like, is it a tiger at the zoo, like at the Detroit Zoo? Mm. Like, no, 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 that tiger's in India. And I just remember like her brain, her eyes just like, wow, like India. Wow, yeah, the other side of the world, India. Yeah, 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 India, like, really, really far away. And I just, that experience, will stick with me for the rest of my life. And, and I want every person to have access to that, every child to have access to that imaginative um, explosion that happened with April, every um, person who's in need of medical care or need of specialist to be able to reach that specialist where they are because they're connected. Like there, there's so many things that we can do um, if we have that. So that, that, that this is this is literally, this was an animation on public service. I want, this is the thing I want to accomplish more than anything. On that note of public service and, and accomplishments and coming into these things that, you know, you're still driving and moving the ball forward on, what keeps you awake at night? Or what are you worrying about, you know, potentially leaving unfinished, even as, you know, a, a father, um, as a citizen of this great state, as an, an advocate? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. So... I, I would put it into two buckets. I mean, I think a lot about safety and I think about, and I think about our future. Um, you know, safety, I mean, we already experienced one of my nightmares last month when in addition to the, the, the senseless violence that we see on a day-to-day basis, we saw a shooting at school that left four students dead. That, that was one of those nightmares. Um, but I think about that as, as a person who's lost people in my life to gun violence and things like that. I, I, I'm concerned about that on a daily basis, people being lost that way. I am also, when it comes to the future, I, what I want to be true, I want to be true something that I did not feel was true when I graduated from Michigan in 05. So as I said, I, w- I was a double engineering major in computer engineering and computer science, and I wanted to be a software developer. I, I, I you know, I, I had a, uh, I had two internships at General Motors. Uh, and like, I remember sitting at the kitchen table and telling my mother, I wanted to, I didn't want to work at a car company and I wanted to work for Microsoft. So I came back my sophomore year and like started working toward that and had an internship there the next summer, next three summers and worked there full time after college. I wanted to be a software developer. And I just, assumed and knew that I needed to go to the West Coast to have that career. I did, that was just like what I needed to do. And so I didn't really think about saying Michigan to do that. I wake up every morning thinking about what can I do? What can we put in place today so that the people who are coming up in Michigan, the people who are graduating from the University of Michigan, that they see a path for them to be their best self here that there's a path for the career that they dream of, they aspire to, to, to achieve, for the business they want to start, um, for the place they want to work, for the thing they want to create, that they can create it here, that it can be capitalized here, that it can be catapulted towards success from here, that their ideas can thrive here. And so I, I think part of you know, my goal as a public servant is to, is to work to create the conditions for that to be true, because we have some of the most talented people in the world who come through uh, this state, this university, tens of thousands of them every single year. <laughs> and and I want more of them to do their first thing in Michigan. Um, you know, I, I started my first business in Seattle. I want, I want, but I want people coming out of Michigan to start their first business in Michigan. So, you know, so I, I wake up thinking about how I can make, help make that more true for more people in more parts of Michigan, for more walks of life. Um, and, and that is something I, I'm excited to, to, to try to figure out. 
All right. Well, to be cognizant of time, we're going to wrap up with this last question here. But obviously, it's February. And so in recognition of Black History Month, Lieutenant Governor, can you share your perspective on the importance of the observance and what you hope that others will take away from this annual emphasis on elevating Black stories and culture? I, I think that it is incredibly valuable that we have decided and that to have a point of emphasis on understanding, examining, and being inspired by the contributions of Black people to our society. I think that is incredibly important to have that point of emphasis. And I think what is to be taken away from that is both, both points of pride that, that, frankly, the pride should stretch beyond Black people. Um, you know, because what we're what it also what Black History Month ultimately is a a recognition of or a celebration of or 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 calling of attention to is the enduring power and ingenuity of humanity to overcome circumstance. That is what Black history is. It's like despite all the challenges, despite the racism, despite the, the structural inequity, despite the being left out of opportunity, these are the things that Black folks were able to do and accomplish and put into the world to change it, to make it better. And I think we all can draw inspiration from that. And, and, and as someone who plays a role, has a platform, and has been blessed by the voters of Michigan to be to be doing something historic. I, I I believe that you know again, as I alluded to earlier, the responsibility that comes with that is to ensure that more people um, feel like it is possible for them to make their history, for them to do the thing that that only they can do, which is which is really I think what the definition of history is: the thing that would not happen, uh, that couldn't happen unless you did it. Like they are uniquely here to do. And so uh, Black History Month is, I think, an amazing opportunity to reflect upon that and to, and to be inspired to find what that means for you personally. And that's something that I think we benefit from as Black people, but I also think is, is available to those who are willing and curious enough to seek it out. And so that's why I think it's, that point of emphasis matters for everyone to experience, um, to not be afraid of to welcome the, 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 the difficulties of examining that history. Cause you have to, cause part of the thing you have to ask yourself is like, why is this remarkable? Why was this hard? Who made it hard? And, and, and those are questions that if we understand those truly, it positions our society to be um, even more, have even more bouncy and abundance going forward. I think that statement of empowerment is going to impact a lot of people that listen and watch this dialogue. So thank you so much for that. And of course, for your time, you're an extremely busy individual. But in traditional Michigan fashion, uh, we got to end our conversation today with a go blue. Go blue all day, every day. I started with it. I end with it. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.